uh, I want to think on the priority of preaching tonight, the priority of preaching. Uh, and uh, we've come to a place in First Thessalonians. Th- these, uh, these last several verses, last time we were here, we looked at uh, rejoice ever, verse 16, we looked at rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in verse 18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, there are some commentators who say that here at the end of 1 Thessalonians that these are just a bunch of random commands that's laid out there. Uh, But they're not random commands. I believe we group them as the Holy Ghost has grouped them in this book. And tonight, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 22. Now, we've got to keep some of the, we've got to keep all of these in context. And the context is in regard to preaching and the importance of preaching, and the place uh, of preaching. Uh, And so uh, let's think about the priority of preaching, and we're going to look at each of these verses, verse by verse, to keep them in context tonight. Uh, But uh, let's just read, uh, so so they do go together. They're not random thoughts. Uh, They're not just random uh, commands that are assimilated at the end of a chapter. Uh, but they, uh, they are bunched together, and it's all concerning the preaching of God's Word. Look in verse number 19. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. That's the preaching. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, and abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, all of those verses have to do with preaching. They, every one, have to do with with preaching, you may be seated and may uh, God add the blessings to the, to the reading of His Word. Now, we want to talk about this this minute. A lot of light-hearted stuff can be said about preaching. Uh, somebody uh, once talked about uh, longhorn sermons or longhorn preachers. Uh, and they said that uh, they've got a point over here uh, and a point over here, and in between there's a lot of bull. Uh, well, I guess some preachers and some sermons, now see if you're sleeping, you missed that just then. And I'm not backing up and telling it. That'll just cost you one right there. You, don't, you won't know what I said now. Uh, so, so there's a lot of lightheartedness could be said about preaching. I did read, and I don't know how they measured this or how they got this fact, uh, where the longest recorded sermon, and it listed the name of the guy who preached it out in Washington State, the longest recorded sermon was 48 hours and 13 minutes. I, I don't know how. I don't know who sticks around to listen to a sermon like that. I mean, I'd probably check out on one like that, but uh, they say that it, co- it, that it created actually a new beatitude which says, blessed is the preacher whose train of thought has a caboose. <laughs> so, but listen, when we're thinking about preaching, preaching, it ought to be the most exciting and most anticipated part of our service today. Now, the problem is today, in many of our churches, we've backed off of the preaching hour uh, and we've magnified uh, the singing hour or, uh, or the, the praise and worship hour. In fact, so much so uh, that we worship praise and worship or we worship uh, the gospel group that has come in to sing or perform for us uh, rather than to cherish and to be excited and eager uh, about the, re- the, the preaching of God's Word. Uh, now, don't listen to me. Uh, we must not underestimate the value of preaching. Uh, it, is, it is preaching. I was thinking about our three-week revival years ago, and I remember it, it was almost as if it was an every-other-night thing around here. Uh, we'd come in on one night, and Brother Steve would preach, and uh, almost nothing would happen. Uh, and, and, but uh, just preach heaven-sent, anointed, and preach, and almost nothing would happen. 
But I knew that when God brings messages like He brought, that there was going to be a payday someday. And then we'd come back the next night or maybe for two more nights and there wouldn't even be any preaching. And God would move in a mighty way. That's the value of preaching. And it's the way, way around here. I never, I don't get discouraged when for two or three or, or, or even uh, uh, five, four or five services where there's not a, not a, not a lot takes place because I know uh, that usually when God moves, it's because of the value of the preached Word that has been preached in the days and the weeks uh, uh, previous to times when God opens heaven and really pours heaven out in our midst. And so we, we must realize that, the, that preaching is not only important, but it has priority. Uh, in fact, we ought to be so eager. Uh, in Ezra's day, they stood uh, during the whole time that Ezra preached. Uh, but they give such reverence to the preaching of God's Word. And uh, we ought to be willing to stand because of that example. In fact, don't even wait on me to ask you to stand when it comes time for the reading of Scripture. You just go ahead and stand and be ready for Scripture to be read because preaching is of such importance. Let's look in verse number 19 to begin with. The first thing the Bible says is, Quench not the Spirit. Now, we use that verse out of context so many times. Uh, but in this, in the context... Uh, it has to do with preaching. Now, I want to remind you about the Holy Spirit tonight. Uh, there's three things we find in the Bible. The Bible says the Spirit can be resisted, the Spirit can be grieved, and the Spirit can be quenched. The Spirit can be resisted. In Acts 7, we see where unsaved people resisted the Spirit of God. Uh, and so it's unsaved that resists. The Spirit's grieved. We find that in Ephesians 4, where uh, Paul says, Let no uh, communication come out of your mouth uh, because you agree the Holy Spirit whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. Uh, and so bad talk, bad talk in the life of a believer will grieve the Spirit of God. Somebody, We need to stop right there one day and just preach a message on tongues. Uh, isn't it amazing the poison, the most unruly member of the body? Uh, but it, isn't it amazing the poison uh, that a tongue uh, can uh, administer to those that are listening and, and hearing it. We ought to pray that God would give us the ability to recognize poison when it's coming out of a tongue and give us the ability to run from it. And by the way, that ought to be a spiritual discipline that becomes keener and keener the longer we walk with the Lord. Why is it the older we get, the more junk we listen to? I don't understand that. Senior saints ought to be the ones who are able to discern when, it, when junk's junk. And when it's grieving, uh, grieving speech to the Holy Spirit. Well, then in this text, what we see is that the Spirit is quenched. Uh, and literally, that means to put out a fire. Literally, that means to extinguish the fire. Let me remind you, one of the symbols or one of the emblems of the Holy Spirit in the Bible is a fire. Uh, and, uh, and indeed, He, he does uh, move uh, in, uh, in manners of fire. So what the Bible says here, quench not the Spirit. So what's Paul talking about? How? How do we quench the Spirit? By despising, verse 19, verse 20, by despising prophesyings. By despise, literally, that word prophesying, it means preaching. And so it's by despising. Now, what does that word despise mean? Here's what it means. Uh, it literally means to regard as nothing. To regard as nothing preaching. Here's what it means. It means to go in one ear and out the other ear. And Paul says, the Holy Spirit through the hand of Paul says, we can quench the Spirit by when there is preaching and we let preaching go in one ear and out the other ear. In my first pastorate, I was a young preacher, began 
I was, number one, I was a young preacher. Uh, number two, uh, we, we felt like we'd been sent to this church to try to, uh, as, as, a, as another chance of the Lord to breathe life into this church, and God just anointed us and preached us in a great way. But on th- those Sunday mornings down there, they had, they, had, uh, they had taken me those first few Sundays, and they, uh, after the service was over, somebody was praying, and I would stand at the door and shake everybody's hand coming out. And, uh, and uh, just one after the other is a, oh, preacher, wonderful sermon, wonderful message, preacher. Oh, that was, that was so good. Thank you for that message. That was so good. And the whole time I'm thinking while they're shaking my hands and telling me this, well, if it was so good, then why did he go in one ear and out the other? And why didn't you come to the altar? Why was it somebody else who come to the altar and responded uh, to the love call of God uh, through the preaching of His Word? If it was really that great, if it was really that wonderful, then why didn't it move you and why didn't you respond? And so Paul is saying here, uh, don't quench the Spirit. And we quench the Spirit by letting preaching go in one ear and out the other ear. And I promise you, I, I'm going to do all I can do to keep it exciting. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I'll preach it in the manner the Lord wants it preached in. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's straight and hard. Sometimes it's serious, no smiling. Sometimes God lets us cut up. Uh, it's always the spirit. Uh, it's always in a different manner according to the message. But listen to me: the word of God, when it is being preached, that's no time to go sleep. I've never seen people. Listen, you don't see them sleeping at NASCAR when they when they uh, when they scan the crowd with those cameras. You don't see them sleeping at these Friday night playoffs. Nobody goes to sleep uh, during that. Man, why would we go to sleep during preaching? Nobody goes to sleep during singing. Uh, but why would we go to sleep during preaching? This is the most important part of the service. And, and Paul says we can quench the Spirit. We can put the fire out by letting preaching go in one ear uh, and out the other. Now, something you need to know about this preaching, prophesy, it literally means to preach. Something you need to know about uh, uh, preaching, a few things that, that the Lord gave me. Number one, preaching ought to be plain. Let me tell you what we've run into today. Today we've got a bunch of we've got some guys in the pulpits and they've been trained in psychology and so they they preach a bunch of psychobabble, uh, they preach a bunch of uh, a bunch of self-help type stuff, they preach a bunch of prosperity preaching. Uh, in, in modern in recent days it's going to the extreme prosperity preaching is it's going so extreme it's uh, they, 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 some preachers would go as far as to say that if you're sick, you're sick because you don't have enough faith. If you're poor, you're poor because you don't have enough faith. Uh, and of course, uh, who are they, this prosperity gospel, who are they going to fill their churches with? Uh, these, these broke, poor, lower class people who's needing somebody to tell them if they just have enough faith, they can be rich. And, and that's not preaching, my friend. What we need today is we need plain preaching. But let me tell you something about plain preaching. Would you really want a doctor if you went to the doctor's office? Would you really want a doctor to bring you in and say, well, I've got something to tell you. And in a long, drawn-out medical journal manner, they begin to tell you that you have a terminal illness and you're going to die within six months. Or do you want them just to come in and sit you down and let you know, dear Mr. Whoever, or Mrs. Whoever, your reports are not good, you have this type of cancer, you're probably only going to have six months to live. Plain. Plain. Heath, when we made death calls, we didn't walk into somebody's home and say, Are you, is, uh, is Jane your daughter? And yeah, Jane's my daughter. Well, you need to know that, that Jane was in a bad wreck tonight. It was her in another car. The ambulance come and they picked up Jane and, and they drove her to the hospital through the pouring down rain and, 
When they got to the hospital, the doctors worked on her, and they, they tried to do what they could, and she made it a little while, and they worked on her some more, and they hooked her up to the machines, but, uh, but in the end, she really didn't make it. No, when we knock on the door, and we go in, and we let them know, I'm sorry to tell you, but your daughter's been killed in an accident. As, with as much compassion as you can make those kind of calls. And so it is with preaching. Not everybody likes plain preaching. Uh, but I, I want you to know that's how I receive it best. Don't give me something in a fog. Don't give me something that's just a, uh, a jumbled up mess. I have to try to figure out, was it for me? And uh, what was he talking about? Uh, but just give it to me plain and straight. That's how God wrote it. It doesn't have to be disguised. It doesn't have to be camouflaged. God help us that we would get rid of some of these Dr. Bottle Stoppers in our pulpits and give us some old-fashioned, fundamental, Bible-believing preachers who would just shoot gun barrel straight, as the old-timers say. Because that's what's needed in the day in which we live. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Nobody's going to sleep tonight because it doesn't got on you about sleeping. Preaching's also personal. It's got to be personal or it's not preaching. And in fact, that's the way I know that a man of God is a God-called man. Is when he mounts this pulpit and all of a sudden, he starts preaching like he's been watching me for days. He starts preaching like somebody's making phone calls to him, telling him about me. That's how I know that he's, got God, that he's God's man, he's got God's message because he brings it straight to me. Not to you, but when it comes to me, then I know. Somebody said that, some, that a lot of preachers are like, those Chinese jugglers, you know, they, they juggle those knife, throwing knives, lean you against the wall, and they start throwing those throwing knives, and, and it'll hit by your elbow, and hit beside your neck, and hit beside your shoulder, hit beside your ear, maybe, just within a hair's breath, but it'll never hit you. Some people say, somebody said that's the way some preachers are. They stand and preach and preach, but they never, uh, never hit anything. And, and, and so preaching's plain, preaching's personal. John Wesley, when missionaries, preachers would come to him, and they want to be missionaries. John Wesley, he had an assignment for him before he had let them... He's literally sent out thousands of missionaries. And before he'd send out missionaries, he'd take these young preachers and he'd give them an assignment. He'd send them to an area to go preach for a while. And when they come back, he would ask them two questions. He'd say, number one, have you seen anybody converted? And number two, did anybody get mad? And if they said no to either of those questions, he would tell them he didn't believe they were called to preach to go back and do the job they were doing before they came to surrender to the ministry. In fact... Uh, Theodore Epp, he was the one who had the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Back to the Bible radio hour. There was a time in his ministry back then when he stopped receiving critical mail. And, and, he, and he started to realize this. And when you've got a public ministry on TV or radio or internet, whatever, you're going to get critical mail and lots of it. Well, he stopped getting critical mail and it made him stop and examine his preaching and the messages he was preaching and it caused him to get back on his knees and spend more time with God in preparation of preaching because he felt like he had got off track. And he made this statement. He says, when I'm pleasing everybody, I'm sure I'm not pleasing the Lord. And either I'm pleasing everybody or I'm pleasing the Lord, but I can't do both at the same time. Now, I'm not telling you that preaching has to make somebody mad for the preacher to be a good preacher or for or sermon to be a good sermon. What I'm telling you is, is that preaching is plain and preaching is personal. It's got to come to my heart or preaching is in vain. Preaching, though, is also promising. Listen to what God said. God said, my word shall not return void. It's promising because God says his word will not return void. So when we preach God will, God, the Bible says that God chose by the foolishness of what? 
by the song sung, by the offering taken, by the prayer prayed. No, by the foolishness of preaching to save those uh, that are lost. It's preaching. Preaching is promising because I know that when we preach that somebody come lost needs to be saved and God will use preaching to do that because I know that there's somebody with a broken heart that has come looking for an answer, looking for a balm for their soul, looking for help, and it's through the preaching of God's Word. I know that somebody's come and they're a little off track in life, they're lost on their journey of faith and and they need guidance back uh, to the word of God and so I know that preaching is promising because God said his word will never return void that's the priority of preaching now look with me if you will at verse 21 verse 21 says this prove all things hold fast that which is good now watch this and listen to me here is what Paul's saying we can quench the spirit by letting preaching go in one ear and out the other. That'll quench the Spirit in your life. That'll put out the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, 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 and he says, despise not prophesying. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. And in verse 21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Here is what we've stopped doing today. Today, we accept anything that comes from a Bible teacher or a Bible preacher without taking the Word of God. You don't have to believe anything I say. Go home when I say something. Go home and open up this book and search it out and find it for yourselves. You've got your own copy. Not just the priesthood like in days gone by, but you have your own copy. You go home and you... But today, we accept any Bible. In fact, we... I'm talk, can I talk just about fundamental Bible-believing Baptists just a minute? We've got a slew of fundamental Bible-believing Baptists who think that every building with a steeple is a church and that every man with a tie or suit or whatever they wear today and a Bible in his hand is a preacher. And that's just not true, my friend. It's not true at all. And we must examine with the Word of God uh, what has been preached uh, in preaching. That's okay to do that. Paul has told us to do that right here. Prove all things and hold fast. That which is good. And we also come to the place too where we believe that everybody says they're a Christian. We believe they're Christian. Now listen, not everybody that says they're one of his is his. We know that. Jesus said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have I not done the things you said? Have I not preached? Have I not cast out demons? And I'm going to say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So there's a lot of people today saying, Oh, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. But they're really not of him. And many times their lifestyle reflects that. And so look what he says in verse 22. This is all a collection right around the priority of preaching. Now, verse 22, he says this, abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, that word evil, that, that, that word evil, it means many things. It means that which is not good, uh, that which is really, that which is wanting, that which is lacking. Uh, but what does it have to do with? It has to do with preaching. Now watch, I'm going, to sh- I'm going to show you something right here. Now, we've got to keep our text in the context. A text, that verse, out of context becomes a pretext. Pretext means a false theory, a false assumption, or a false fact. Bear with me, I'm going to show you something. Watch. See, I've got this problem with people pulling a verse out of the Bible over here and making a doctrinal statement about it. And then they'll pull a verse over here and they'll make a, a stand about it. And then they'll pull a verse out over here and they'll form a belief about it. There's a problem with that. That's not how God wrote this book. 
I spent three hours one night. A guy called me. He said, I want to talk to you about the Bible. And I knew, I knew what, what he was wanting to talk about and stuff. And uh, I went to his house. It was late. He got about 9 o'clock one night. And uh, I thought I was going to be there about 30 minutes. I was there till midnight. Now, I've never got back, I've never got upset over disputing the Bible, but honestly, I was upset that night. That guy had frustrated me so much. He wanted to debate and discuss Scripture, and he'd pull one verse from way out here and add another half of a verse from way out there, add a word of a verse from over here, and he was trying to talk in circles, and I could not get him to understand how to keep the text in context. You're talking about things you don't even know what you're talking about. And man, when I left there, I was ready to bite nails into. He must have sensed it because he called me first thing next morning and he apologized. He said, I'm sorry. He said, you're right. He said, I was pulling stuff from here and from there. And that wasn't right. So this verse right here, abstain from all appearance of evil. Now watch this. A text without context is a pretext. The Bible says in the Gospels that Judas went out and hanged himself. Does the Bible say that? Does anybody know who Judas is tonight? All right. You and then in another place where Jesus is talking about the Good Samaritan, he says, do thou likewise. And then in another place where Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus, he says, make haste. So we could take all that out of context and we could say, Judas went out and hung himself, do thou likewise, and make haste. And how, many, how many of you are going to run out here and do that? that is a, that's text out of context. You've got to keep it together. Keep it where it belongs. And so when the Bible says, abstain from all appearance of evil, watch this. And so what Paul is saying is, is that you've got to examine the teaching and the preaching of God's Word, and if, that, if, the, preaching, if the preacher or the teacher of God's Word uh, is not sound doctrinally and biblically, then Paul's going as far as to call it evil here. And he says, don't listen to it, don't be around it, don't have it on the radio, don't have it on the television set, don't have the books on your bookshelves. One time when I started preaching, I saw that little Mormon commercial on TV. And you know, here's how they get these these uh, here, here's how they get these baby Christians. Here's how they get these baby Baptists that have been in church for fifty years, but are still babies sucking on milk. Uh, is they have that commercial, uh, you know, Book of Mormon and all this. If you call this number, we will send you a free what? NIV, Living New Living Translation. New American Standard, Holman Christian Standard, the message, no, we'll send you a King James Bible if you'll call this number. And so I thought one day, I'm going to call that number. Number one, I'll get me a good King James Bible. They're going to send it to me. But then I'm going to get the Book of Mormon. And I'm going to study that book, and I'm going to read that book, and I'm going to look at that book. And so I called that number, and they got my name and address and all that stuff, and that was good. It all come in the mail. And I started looking at that. Well, I didn't think at the time, I didn't realize that they were also getting my address so they could send two of their little pokies out trying to win me over. And, and so, sure enough, they showed up one day. It was an older lady, and she had the trainee with her, a younger girl. And they come in, sit down, started trying to win me to Mormonism and, and, and this and that. And, and they found out I was a Baptist preacher, and, uh, boy, they started to make haste to get out of that. Uh, but uh, so that Mormon book sit on my shelf and sit on my shelf, and this text here come to mind, and I got under conviction about it, to be honest. And uh, we, I took that uh, Mormon book and I just threw it away, got rid of it. Why? Because Paul said that's the appearance of evil, that which is not good. Examine it. And so we are to take preaching when we hear it and teaching when we hear it. Don't take it all as the Word of God and the Word of truth. We've got to understand that there's false teachers out there today, and not just false teachers, but there's teachers and preachers who's just not telling the whole story. 
And they're not going to tell the whole story because the whole story sometimes is plain and straight and personal and it's hurting uh, and, and it wounds us. But God never, faithful are the wounds of a friend, God never hurts us to kill us. God wounds us to humble us and make us more like His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, so Paul says this, don't, don't, even, don't even give the appearance that you are tolerating Bible preaching or Bible teaching that's just not of God. Don't go, go. Somebody was telling me about traveling a long distance to hear this, this preacher, and at times this preacher, he's got good stuff. There's good stuff comes out of him, but he's also a very much a prosperity preacher. And, and his large, his lar- the, the largest audience he has is, is lower-class, poverty-stricken black people because he's preaching a, a prosperity gospel, and he targets, that, he targets that group of people intentionally because he can draw uh, thousands and thousands to hear him, and he's got good stuff occasionally, but he's preaching this prosperity gospel uh, the rest of the time. Uh, and, and listen to me, Paul says, don't even tolerate it. Don't even listen to it uh, because it is as evil uh, when, it's, when, it, when it settles into your heart. And so that, that collection that we've talked about right here, Martha, you can come, I'm going to be done in just a minute. He says abstain. Literally, he means to hold himself, to hold oneself back from that. So don't even submit to preaching or teaching that you have proven in the Word to not be of God. And so this collection of teaching right here, Paul says, quench not the Spirit. You know what's happened in a lot of our churches today? A lot of our churches today, we can draw a crowd with hot dog suppers and gospel scenes. Uh, But if you lined up two or three preachers in a row, you wouldn't get that crowd. We have lost the love, especially in these mountains, for the preaching of God's Word. We no longer have a longing for it and a desire for it, and we have uh, we've underestimated the value and the priority of preaching in God's word of God's word in God's house. It's important. God brings us together collectively. He brings us together as a church because He's got a word for us. It's amazing how in one word that God can minister to your heart and your heart and your heart and your heart. That God can take His word and it can be so many things to all of us. Uh, who stand in need during the hour that that message is preached. And and so the fire has died in our Baptist churches. The fire of the Holy Ghost has died because we have despised prophesying, because we preach. Somebody mentioned to me about somebody called, somebody mentioned to me the other day about somebody they'd seen in church for nearly their whole life, and they didn't even think not one time they had ever went to the altar for any reason at all. Friends, listen to me. That's despising preaching. Because it's letting it go in one ear, it's making light of. It's letting go in one ear and out the other as if the message is just an, a filler in the moment, as if it's just a, something to consume the time and occupy our passing minutes. But it's not that. It's, we're begotten by the Word. It's through the preaching of the Word that life is breathed into our lives, that we're able to live the life uh, that He has asked for us to live. It's through the preaching of God's Word. And so He said, don't, don't put the fire out. And by not by, by and and you do that by despising preaching. Prove what's being said, and don't listen to anything else. Don't even give the appearance that you're surrendering or submitting to any other preaching or teaching. So, how do we close this message out? Just on the priority of preaching tonight. Well, I'll tell you what. Since everybody in here is not a preacher, I know some of you women 
Some of you husbands think that your wives are. If you're one of those husbands, say amen. <laughs> hey, you big chicken. You will talk about it at the huddle house whenever she's not around and you're with the buddies. Uh, but you ain't going to say her sitting beside you. Well, listen. So not everybody in here is a preacher tonight. Uh, but I am. God's called me to preach. And here's what I need. Because of the priority of preaching. I always want to, and I always ask you to pray for me in this manner. My, my biggest struggle is what God wants me to bring. And, and I've told the Lord, the Lord and I, we have this arrangement. I've told God, I said, God, I'll preach what you want me to preach, but I've just got to know what you want. I've got to know. And Lord, if you'll show me what, uh, I'll dig in, I'll study, and I'll pray over it and labor over it, and I'll do all that it needs to be done. Where I, when, so when I stand, I'm fur, I am thoroughly furnished to bring the message that you would have brought. But I've got to know what. And so when you pray for me, pray God will show me what to preach. And not only that, but Paul says this. Paul says, uh, Paul said not only what, but Paul said, show me the manner in which I am to preach it. That's what I want to know. Because when God brings a message, He always has a certain manner in which that particular message needs to be preached. And then Paul, uh, he goes on and he, uh, and he asks to... And, uh, 1 Thessalonians, that when he preaches, or in 2 Thessalonians, that when he preaches that the Word of God will have free course. Meaning this, that the, literally it means that the Word of God will run to where it's needed. And so when you pray for me, I want you to pray, number one, God will show me what to preach. The what. That God will show me the what. That's not easy. Sometimes it's as plain as day. Sometimes God make, wakes you up in the middle of the night. Sometimes God speaks through a circumstance or through a, an event. Uh, but sometimes there's a lot of labor and struggle. Just knowing what, that's where the stress is at for the preacher. If, you know, if I want to give you a, if, hey, we can just get an internet sermon. I mean, I've been, I've been, through, I've been through Bible college for six or eight years. Uh, I can open this book up and, and we, we can pull a message. I've been doing this long enough where we can pull a message about off every page if we just want to bring a message. But we're not interested in a message. We're interested in the message for the hour, for that day. And so I've got to know what. So number one, you pray for me that God will show me what to preach. Number two, God will show me the manner in which to preach it. And number three, that when we preach it, the Word of God will literally run. That it will run to where it's needed. And it will find a lodging place. And then it will not return void. And so stand with us. Martha, if you've got a song that you can sing tonight... This is, the altar's open tonight. You come if you need to come tonight. But priority of preaching. May, may preaching always have center place at Old Savannah Baptist Church. May preaching always be filled with power at Old Savannah Baptist Church. May preaching always be met with eagerness and excitement and a readiness and a prepared heart for what God would send you and I through the preaching hour at Old Savannah Baptist Church. You come if you need to come. Arthur Singh. In shady green pastures so rich and so sweet, God leads oh, that's his good. dear children that's God. That's good. along. Where the waters cool flow, base the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, 
Where the sun shines so bright, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes in the valley, the darkest of night, God leads his dear children along. Some And all the day long